Howdy, everybody. Dimitri here. Welcome to a brand new midweek talk-through episode of Young Gun. Freddie Coleman from ESPN and ESPN Radio is going to join me in just a bit. But you know how these episodes begin by now. I've got to tell you about graffiti, spirits, axes, and art. It's our favorite place to watch football. It's in downtown Cary, 158 East Cedar Street. If you have not already been to graffiti for a football Sunday... Now's the time to check it out, because what's the use in paying attention to the Panthers? 19 TVs. You can see all of the action on a Sunday. Plus, great bourbon pour specials. There they are on the screen. Everything from a $10 to an $8 range, and there's a lot of variety in there. Plus, weekly beer specials, as well as weekly prizes. You've got the axe-throwing lanes. There is something for everybody at Graffiti. And don't just think about them for a football Sunday. It's a great place to have your friend holiday party as well, with all the high-end spirits. Always cool new art on the wall. Always cool stuff happening. And the environment changing, the menu changing at Graffiti. Check it out today, 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. All right, we bring in uh, Freddie Coleman from ESPN and ESPN Radio. Freddie, you, I think a lot of people have, at the very least, been hearing your voice talking about the national sports scene for a long time. Here in North Carolina, we have we have no delusions, right? The Carolina Panthers <laughs> have to have something extraordinary going on for us to regularly be on the national radar. All right, I, I'm going to ask this the only way that it came into my head. Okay. Outside of that extraordinary 2015 season uh, that Cam Newton posted, is only dysfunction the reason for the national media to know anything about what's going on with the Panthers right now? The sad part is you're not lying, Dimitri, because what's the old line in our business? If it bleeds, then it's going to lead. (laughs) And unfortunately, that's been the case with the Carolina Panthers. And it's amazing how that franchise with the fan base that they've been able to generate in the Carolinas and parts of Virginia and even parts of Georgia. They have a lot of people that are very invested in the Carolina Panthers that want to see the Carolina Panthers do well. They're not just happy to have a professional football franchise in that area, the first of its kind. They're, they are invested. They live and die with the Carolina Panthers. So it's really unfortunate that I believe the pieces were there last year when you had Steve Wilkes as your head coach, Sam Donald was your quarterback. Guys seemed to rally around Steve Wilkes, but David Tepper wanted to go for that splash higher and, and because you knew you were going to draft out the Bryce Young with the number one pick or C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. So it's been dysfunctional ever since they brought in Frank Reich. That didn't work out. So now you got two coaches and Matt Rule and Frank Reich that you're on the hook for $70 million. So it's unfortunate yeah. that those are the storylines regarding the Carolina Panthers and not about what they're trying to build with that franchise in that area. I, I wonder, because I think back to, oh gosh, I hope I get the year right. I think it was the 2 Lions that went almost winless, right? I think they ended up 1-15. Yeah. And, It became this weird thing that the nation had some, whether it was investment, at least awareness of, right? Remember, they win a game and they're calling out Jay Leno for making uh, jokes about them on the show. This does not seem to have, for for a lot of people, especially outside of this state, it seems to stop at whatever your evaluation of Bryce Young happens to be. Yeah, no doubt about that. You go and you mention it. And I remember the year the Lions in 2007 where they went undefeated. 
in the preseason, but then they went winless in the regular season. Mm-hmm. They became sort of lovable losers along the lines of the Chicago Cubs before they won and the Boston Red Sox before they won in 2004. It seems to be nothing lovable about this situation involving <laughs> the Carolina Panthers. And I feel awful for a guy like Bryce Young and all those other players. But, Dimitri, we kind of had an inkling about this before the season got started because we knew the offensive line was not going to be what it was. And he had a couple of injuries early on. So now Bryce Young is playing behind the eight ball as far as that goes. And it seems that any time that something positive would happen, then they would take two steps back. And then David Tepper came in and said, okay, we can't have Frank Reich as our head coach. We got to move on from him and the quarterback coach and the offense coordinator. You can't run an NFL franchise like it's a hedge fund or a pop-up in the mall. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. And if you're David Tepper, hopefully he has people in his ear to say, you got to give things a little bit of a time to bake. We can't just go from coach to coach to coach every year because then you really become a dysfunctional franchise and there's going to be nothing lovable about that inside the Carolinas, Dimitri, or outside the Carolinas on a national scale. You know, what's interesting is I, in addition to the dysfunction on the field, and we'll get to that side of it, In just a second, I don't know that I can remember stories getting out there so openly about staffers still being paid to be in the building every day, telling potential coaching candidates, no, you do not want to come here, no matter what it is that is going to offer you. The last thing you want, Dimitri, is apathy with your franchise. And right now, that's where the that's where the Carolina Panthers are, because you can have a franchise trying if you're not succeeding. At least people know that you're trying to make that kind of effort. But when apathy sets in, that's just a malaise of a franchise that it can be very, very hard to get out of. And it could set your organization back anywhere from three to five years. And that is something that David Tepper is going to have to realize. You don't want people not caring about your franchise or people inside your franchise telling other people don't come here because they don't care about. They're just collecting that paycheck and they're just going home. That's the last thing you need to have that as a culture of your organization. And it's not an easy fix. It's not something that you can just also wake up one day and say, I found the answer to that whole situation. That's not how things work, especially when you're owning a professional sports franchise, especially in the league known as the National Football League. You know, when you talk about the apathy, you know, so I'm in Raleigh. I'm not in Charlotte. So two, two and a half hours uh, north of Charlotte. Uh, We're that close to the city where the Panthers play. And I've seen studies that still say there are more Washington fans here. There Mm -hmm. are more uh, Giants fans here. Like we are not only a transplant area, but pro sports is relatively new to the Carolinas. If if you think about the grand history of sports. Um, I think that is the big difference between what Dave Tepper is working with and what Jimmy Haslam was working with when he had all of these fits and starts as he took over the Cleveland Browns is that built-in passion in the community and the surrounding communities is not there for this team. Yeah, you make a great point because I remember when I first moved to Portland, Maine, I'm thinking that's going to be New England Patriots category. There were plenty of Giants fans. There were plenty of Cowboys fans. And I said, well, why are all these fans up here in the area that's in New England? And he said, well, previous generations, there there were no football teams around here. So you rooted for, at that time, the northernmost team. And that was the New York Giants. And then when the Dallas Cowboys start to get on the national scale, then a lot of people rooted for the Dallas Cowboys. So if you already have a fan base that's already there before your team gets there, I guarantee you're going to see as many Washington uniforms on people the same way you see Dallas Cowboys uniforms on people. I'm sure there's a Falcons fan base in the Carolinas because that's the southernmost team. There may be Dolphins fans in that area. So if you're not trying to establish a foothold when you're the Carolina Panthers, you're trying to do that. 
But yet, to your point, you have these stops and starts, stops and stops, stop, 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 then start, stop, 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 then start. If you keep having that as a part of your franchise, then it's going to be very hard to have a generational team, especially if you're not winning along the way or winning enough for championships where people can sink their teeth into that. Did you know the episode of Young Gun featuring me and Lauren airs each week on television? It does on Origin Sports TV, Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Where can you find Origin Sports? It is on your fast TV service. All of those free ad-supported networks that come built into however it is you are getting your television. Zumo, Roku, Samsung TV+, Plus, Amazon Freebie, Origin Sports is on all of them, and you will find this show there each and every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And do me a favor. Take some time to go to OGTrianglemedia.com and fill out our survey. There are five shows that are part of this network, and we are trying to figure out what happens in 2024. We've got some big ideas. New shows? Yeah, possibly. Uh, live shows? Yeah, possibly. A newsletter? Yeah, again, possibly. Get off my back. Go tell us what you want. See, that's what this is all about. Us helping you be more entertained. Take the survey today, please. OGTriangleMedia.com. So I, I like to ask this on the midweek show whenever I'm talking to a guest because I recognize that Lauren and I are skewed. Lauren is the biggest Panthers fan I know. Uh, I am I'm here solely for Bryce Young, right? Like you can tell by the color of this room. Obviously, I love <laughs> the University of Alabama. Um, do you see what we see in terms of the mismanaged potential or do you see a lost cause when you when you look at Bryce Young's performance so far? Well, I'm never going to say it's a lost cause, Dimitri, after one year, because how many people have said that about quarterbacks that were great one year and thinking that guy was going to be a superstar? For example, RG3, with it in Washington Redskins, then he tears his ACL. He's never the same player. So I'm never going to punish a guy that's in right now an unwinnable situation when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. You have to put the right people in place. Many people thought that about Trevor Lawrence that first year in Jacksonville. And I said, well, that's because he had a bad coach and a bad guy <laughs> known as Urban Meyer. But the once, but the similarity I see is that Bryce Young does not hide from the media. He's not, he's not trying to hide the situation that he's in. He's accepting of the fact that, hey, this is what we're going through. But if we can survive this, we can be a better franchise because I saw that Trevor Lawrence did and said the exact same things that first year and everything was just going haywire around him. And now you look at Trevor Lawrence until he got injured this past Monday. He had started every game in the National Football League because he, he was able to go out there and stand and face the music knowing that he was the face of that franchise. I'm seeing sort of the same things with Bryce Young. So I'm not ready to say after one year to pull a Josh Rosen on him and yeah. move on from him and bring in somebody else because that's not helping anybody. It's not helping Bryce Young. It's not helping your organization. And more importantly, it's not helping your organization with your fan base in Carolina. So I'm glad you brought up Josh Rosen because I have made this point on the show, you know, all season long. Like, it doesn't matter if you think Bryce is a bust this year or not. You don't have the assets to Josh Rosen, this guy, uh, the way the Arizona Cardinals did when they decided to cut bait on him after yeah. one year. So I want to tie that back to you also brought up Trevor Lawrence. And certainly there was a lot that the Jaguars needed to fix to get from what they were in year one to that playoff team they were last year. They brought in a lot of receivers. That offensive line is better, but still a work in progress. I don't know, though, that I think you could do, you could take the same approach with the Panthers because as much as he in his college career made it a non issue, 
Bryce's size is an issue. Where would you start in terms of getting him help, line or receivers? Because both are a problem right now. Yeah, I'm a big believer that if you don't win in the trenches, Demetri, you're not going to win, period. So you got to find a way that you have an offensive line that's going to be a run-first offensive line, and then you can run play action with Bryce Young. You get him out of the pocket. You can get him into those open spaces and slots where it's a clear lane to throw the football because when he was at Alabama, that offensive line did exactly that. And, yeah, he could pull his Houdini magic like we saw versus Auburn, like we saw versus Texas when he won both of those games on the road. But they were going to be a run-first team because that's going to be the best asset that you can have to a guy that you still believe is an asset when it comes to Bryce Young. So you got to start there in the offensive line. It's a lot easier to find receivers in free agency and lower in the draft because we're in the passing age in football. You can find quality receivers in the fourth and fifth round. For example, look at Tank Dell, what he did for the Houston mm-hmm. Texans before he had his leg broken last week versus Denver. But it's a lot harder to find quality offensive linemen. And it's really hard to try to find those guys and think that's going to happen in free agency. It's best that, in my opinion, you find quality offensive linemen in the draft. This way they can grow around your quarterback. And then maybe you can supplement those pieces with a veteran offensive lineman who can show them the way and someone who can still play. But if they're going to make this thing go back on the tracks and get back on the tracks, I think that's where you start because you can find receivers, in my opinion, and make that work anywhere out in free agency or the NFL draft. How much do those of us that hold on to what we saw Bryce able to accomplish in Tuscaloosa, how much do we need to understand that this is a different ball game? And how much do people that just, you know, totally lean on, oh, he's too small, need to look at what he did in Tuscaloosa and see what the capabilities of this kid really are? I, I guess the easier way of asking it is which one of us is right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I think the second part is right in terms of, You can look at his size, but if you have the right coach that can make that work, then that size becomes a non-issue. Look what Sean Payton was able to do with Drew Brees, for example. He was not the tallest guy, barely six feet, but he had enough athletic ability and arm strength where you could fit an offense around him. Steve Young wasn't the tallest guy than when he played for the San Francisco 49ers, but he had unbelievable athletic ability and had great intellect. And once he got to the right organization, the San Francisco 49ers, we saw his career take off. So you can do these things, but it comes back to two things, Dimitri. Number one, people don't realize how hard the NFL is. CJ Stroud is making it look a lot easier than it is because I don't think people realize how hard it's to win an NFL game, much less getting a team to a playoffs. And what he's been able to do has been phenomenal, and I firmly believe that that's the reason that David Tepper decided to move on from Frank Reich, probably having a little bias or more saying, well, you told me Bryce Jones was the guy. Houston takes the guy at second to CJ Stroud. Look what he's doing for them, and you're not doing that for me. I wonder how much of that played into thinking that he had to move on from Frank Reich and everybody else offensively because the NFL is hard to win games and people don't realize that. That's number one. Number two, if you don't have the right organizational pieces in place, then you're just going to be a hamster on that wheel and the viewer's never going to change. And now that's incumbent upon David Tepper to say, all right, I need to find the right GM or I need to find the right player personnel director. I need to find the right scouts because it seems to me, Dimitri, those guys are not there right now for the Carolina Panthers. And you can't have a Bryce Young in a situation where you don't have the personnel around him. For example, Bryce Young, let's say it's with the New York Jets. To me, the New York Jets are a playoff team because I know he can play quarterback. I know he can get out of those situations and hit receivers on the money. And you got to run a game with Brees Hall, even though your offensive line is compromised. You got a bunch of filthy McNasties on defense. You put him in that situation, he's going to be a lot better because there are better pieces and better structure around him. 
That's what I would see going forth with David Tepper. What can he do to make sure that you believe in your guy, even though I thought he had a backhanded compliment last week when he fired everybody. If you believe he's the guy, then what are you going to do to make sure you put more believers around him to get this thing back or get this thing started the way you want it to be? You know, it's it's interesting you brought up the Texans, and obviously we hear the comparisons to C.J. Stroud all the time. I mean, I can look at my Twitter mentions of, uh, oh, look, you, you know, your guy's not living up. Look what C.J. Stroud is doing, blah, blah, blah. I, there's a there's a different aspect of what the Texans did that I wonder how much um, Dave Tepper is motivated by or even learned from. And, and that is like, look, Frank Reich did a fine job at Indianapolis, but ultimately he ended up getting fired. Uh, ultimately, yeah. like, I don't think he would call that a success. D'Amico Ryan's uh, first first time as a head coach, highly touted coordinator, part of a organization that made its leap forward mm-hmm. by thinking about the sport differently. Mm-hmm. I do wonder in 2023 if there is an old version of uh, coaching football and a new version of coaching football in the NFL that one is just way less effective than the other as we move forward in this sport. That's a great point because you have to be adaptable. You can't just have an old school way of thinking, thinking that's going to work or think you're totally new school. Yeah. Look at the New England Patriots are going through right now. That Patriot way looked a lot better when old number 12 was throwing the football. <laughs> right. Now that old number 12 is not back there throwing the football. That Patriot way doesn't work anymore. And how many times do we see people go after assistance under Bill Belichick? And I said, I don't think you realize what Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have been able to do. That doesn't mean that that's going to transfer, whether it was Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini, Charlie Weiss. The only one successful from that page away was Bill O'Brien, what he did at Penn State and with Houston before he was thrown on the sword for that organization. But there's certain organizations that you siphon assistance from. You say, yep, they know exactly what they're going to do because they've seen how it works. So if you find anybody that's an assistant of San Francisco 49ers, like Mike McDaniel, I think Robert Salah is a really good coach. He's just with the New York Jets, and we know how that has gone with that organization <laughs> over the past 50-plus years, or D'Amico Ryan's now at the Houston Texans. It would be in your best interest to say, okay, what are those organizations doing that we know that guys learn, and then whenever they go somewhere else, that's going to work. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Shane Steichen can coach. Look at the mm-hmm. Indianapolis coach, where he loses his rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson, but yet he has a Gardner Minshew. They have a plan. They have a purpose. They have guys in place. And now they're competing for a playoff spot in the AFC, which is very, very loaded. Anybody that's been an assistant under Andy Reid, you may have to look at that person closely. So I've always been a big believer when you have quality organizations and you know somebody's a quality assistant, why are you not making your business to do sort of along the lines of, of, of like a company, you know, how they do when they have like a headhunter company and invest or vet that person out because that seems to work with guys that used to be part of San Francisco, guys who used to be part of Philadelphia, or you go in college, guys that work under Nick Saban. Those guys go on to do some great things. Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin. You got to find what organizations are successful in doing. And that's saying you have to steal from it, but you can take a little bit of bite of it and make that work for your organization with somebody who's ready to be a head coach or ready to be a general manager that can move your organization forward. I want to end by talking to you a little bit about just the general philosophy that Lauren and I have been debating uh, a bit on this show when it comes to coaching candidates. I look at someone like Eric B but before he moved on to Washington this year, uh, Frank Smith down in Miami is a name that I'm sure you've seen the video yep. has been asked about uh, being interested in the Panthers job. I don't think that you can 100% say, well, you know, B coached with Andy Reed on Andy Reed's side of the ball. So what did B do? Frank Smith coaches with Mike McDaniels on McDaniels side of the ball. So what do you do? But I do think it's fair to ask how much of 
uh, an impact a coordinator mm-hmm. really has when he is working for a coach that likes to call the plays on whatever side of the ball it is he specializes in. A- am, am I am I nuts for thinking it is at the very least a fair question? It is a complete fair question because you look at Mike McDaniel coming from San Francisco, but Kyle Shanahan called the plays. But it didn't stop Miami from saying that guy's got something yep. in terms of what we're looking for as a head coach. And I still wonder about that Eric Bieniemy. I wonder how much the Washington situation has really hurt his chances, maybe to be an offensive coordinator again. Because when Ron Rivera is blown out of there, who knows what's going to happen, Eric Bieniemy? And I'm hoping that he gets an opportunity maybe to fulfill that dream. Although I've always said, Dimitri. He probably should go to college first and try to be a head coach there and build that up. And then he can have his ties to the National Football League. But you're the Carolina Panthers. There's a guy out there that I've seen that has made this work in the NFL in impossible situations. And that guy's name is Jim Harbaugh, the, Min- of the Michigan Wolverines. No, I, I, I know, Dimitri, I know you're going to say no, but remember, look when he took over the San Francisco 49ers. They were in a similar situation, the Carolina Panthers, and people said, why are the 49ers hiring that guy? He turned over Stanford and made them a power in the Pac-12. And we saw what happened after he left. They still were a power because they still had his guys. When he went to the San Francisco 49, they were two bad punts away from going to the Super Bowl in his first year. Certain things about Jim Harbaugh, where he not only knows how to scout talent and find talent, but he also knows how to find coaches that can coach talent. And if anybody can be the ultimate fixer to try to get you on the on the fast track sooner than later, he may be too quirky, he may be too khaki, whatever that is. But we know he can win and we know he can win championships or put your team in a position to win championships. So ignore all the other things about the sign stealing scandal and everything like they don't do that in the National Football League. They're still (laughs) doing it now. But I look at a guy that's been a proven winner and more importantly, has inspired such loyalty from his players. He had that at Stanford. He had that at San Francisco. And Lord knows he's had that at Michigan. Why would you not want to even consider a guy like that and leave the quirkiness behind and say whatever his quirks are is not going to derail our organization when it comes to a Jim Harbaugh? I want everyone listening and watching to know that I love and adore Freddie before I uh, I say this. Freddie, Jim Harbaugh in 2023 is not <laughs> Jim Harbaugh in 2011. The last two years... He has just outright forgotten he has one more game to coach. Like, I I understand everything you're saying about his track record in the NFL is true, but he has run Michigan with such an arrogance that I think what we look at him now and see is a dude that benefits from a job where you only have to win one game a year and your fans don't care what happens after that. Okay. Okay. This is is SEC guy looking at the Big Ten and laughing. I totally... We'll own that. But I I just, I cannot take a dude seriously that played TCU with Michigan's talent and TCU signs and got his ass run over, Freddie. I get it. But remember, in college football, it's a lot different when the National Football League happens. And look, I know and you make a fair point. Sometimes you can't use past events when it comes to current situations. But I look at a guy that's been a proven winner everywhere he's been. And that really matters in the National Football League. That is a seductive narcotic for any owner out there in the National Football League. That's why coaches, that's why plenty of DMs always wanted Nick Saban to come back to the NFL. Nick Saban said, nah, I'm good because it didn't work for me in Miami. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to something like that. But a guy that's been a proven winner in the National Football League, we're not talking about taking a Jim Harbaugh and hoping that he succeeds. You bring him there, and the Carolina Panthers are going to look like an NFL franchise. They're going to look like a quality NFL organization because he's going to surround himself with people that understand exactly where can we go find talent. 
where can we find coaches that can coach that talent? And that whole sign stealing thing, what's the old line? It's only cheating if you get caught. <laughs> if he, he's not going to be doing that in the NFL because too many people are going to be looking at him to see what is going to happen. And he's got to leave that whole thing behind in Michigan.